Hi, drama listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of our world's famous podcast drama. Connor and I just had an amazing last couple of days. I traveled to New York to see a ton of new musicals and revivals and even some new plays that are all happening in the Big Apple. And I am so grateful that one of them was New York, New York, starring our pal Colton Ryan and our new friend, Anna, who is our guest on today's podcast episode. If you don't already know her from Six, the musical, you're going to fall in love with her today and you absolutely need to get your butts to go see New York, New York. I'm having a hard time deciding what my favorite show I've seen this year so far has been, but this one's definitely in my top three and it is a brilliant new show and he is overdone as it has been said, Love Letter to New York. So you need to check it out. If you love Anna, you're going to also love some previous episodes. I mentioned we've had Colton on. We've even had some of Anna's fellow co-stars from Six. Samantha Polly and Britt Mack on. So go ahead and check out our back catalog. And if you love the podcast and want to support us during this exciting time, please consider joining our Patreon. It's $5 a month for at least two bonus episodes a month. You get to be on our Instagram close friends and you get the eternal love and adoration from Connor and I. So, I mean, who could ask for anything more? All right. Well, enjoy this episode. Let's get on with the show. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to taste it. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Ooh drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I am Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, there are so many things that we could dive into and talk about today. I know. For once, there's a lot happening. And usually we're kind of like, (laughs) what are we going to say at the top? What are we going to say at the top? And today there are like, there's a lot. But you've got some explaining to do. Because you texted me yesterday evening and you... said (laughs) you were diving into season two of the apple tv plus series the morning show a year and a half after it aired and i need to know what inspired this move and why because i watched it as well and it was crazy entertaining but crazy i have no idea other than (laughs) earlier this week it was announced the show was renewed for a fourth season ahead of its third season's premiere and i thought that was entertaining and i'm kind of like in a moment where i'm in between shows and so I decided to go for it. And the reason is Reese Witherspoon. I, I just can't get enough of her acting. She should always be acting in things. I know. It's soothing. Mm-hmm. I always say it like is. Reese, Sarah Jessica Parker, um, who are some other like soothing performers that I could just like watch them in things. I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow, but you maybe, obsessed with that's her my, she's that. my problematic fave. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. What do you think of Juliana Margulies on season two? I love her and I see why people really loved The Good Wife because oh. she's really powerful, her presence. Oh, hell yeah. Um, you need to I listen. I wonder if she had to green screen herself in with any people on this show like she did on <laughs> Oh, right. Archie Punjabi. Uh-huh. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you need to listen to, okay, when she was promoting The Morning Show and also her, Juliana did an interview on Oprah's podcast Um, to shout out another sister pod. (laughs) And she talks about how the good fight invited her to do an episode, but they wouldn't match her rate of like what she, she wants to be paid now. She is such a boss. It's amazing. And she's like, honestly, like I have to have respect for myself at a certain point in in my career. And they didn't want to pay me what I feel like I should be paid. So I didn't do it, but the interview is 
brimming with amazing content. Oprah's just the best. So, oh yeah, master, um, the master. Well, listen, we have a very fun episode today. I know. Oh my god, and I didn't realize this was some. This is our guest's podcast debut. I had a feeling, but that makes it all the more special. I'm so excited. The vibes are already fabulous. Mm-hmm. And- it's Friday, although it's Wednesday when people are listening. Although we haven't seen the show before, we've seen the clips because they've been making the they've been making the press circuit. And I think it's going to be my favorite show of the season after I see it. Multiple oh. reasons. Wow. It's Starting because Colton, Colton Ryan's Ryan. in yeah. it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who's everyone knows a deep, deep, deep friend of the pod from, from the early days. Period. But we have to chat about his guest today who I'm going to read in. Okay. All right. Our guest today is a bona fide Broadway diva as the current star of Cantor and Ebb and Miranda's Broadway smash new musical, New York, New York, she is wowing audiences with her take on Francine Evans. This performance has already been recognized with nominations from the Drama League, Drama Desk Awards, and Outer Critics Circle Awards. Audiences will also know her unforgettable turn as Catherine Parr in the original Broadway cast of Six, where she slayed I Don't Need Your Love eight times a week. As part of the cast of Six Queens, she received the Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Ensemble alongside friends of the pod, Britt Mack and Sam Pauly. Our guest made her Broadway debut in the Once on This Island revival, previously appearing around the country in Dreamgirls, The Drowsy Chaperone, Legally Blonde, Disney's When You Wish, and more. On television, she has made her mark on Dear Edward, City on a Hill, FBI, and on TikTok in The Ratatouzical. She is a powerhouse, a wife, a dog mama, and a star. Please welcome to drama, Anna Uzala. Hello! Wow, that was such a lovely introduction. Thank you. Anna, are you well? I'm so well. Yeah, it's a it's a Friday. We don't have rehearsal. We're out of previews. We're open. We're chilling. And we're popping our podcast, Jerry. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is so... I, I'm thrilled that drama is the... I wonder... We've We've been the first for a lot of people. I wonder... Who else you're oh. in this exclusive club with? Wow. If you always That's remember your good. first time. So drama is going to be always a good experience. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. I feel like there is so much to discuss with you because it has been such a crazy season, I'm sure. But I need yeah. to the listeners to know that before we started recording, we sort of interfaced with your husband who yes, 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 is oh, yeah. so hot. I mean, there were tattoos, <laughs> there were muscles, there was a yeah. gentle demeanor. I, I mean, yes. He does tattoos. He's a tattoo artist. So you can get tattoos from him. His hands can be on you if you want. I just felt a shiver. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Is that how you <laughs> met him? Were you like, all right, it's time to finally do my tattoo? No. Funny story. We met in church when I was in high school. I was a homeschooled Christian kid. And that is where we found each other. Parted ways many different times um, throughout our years and then refound each other again in the city as adults. Wow. It was meant ago. to be. Yeah, it's a it it was totally meant to be. Yeah. Wow. So were you ever like Facebook friends or anything in the No, not I mean, yes, we were, but he just showed up at church one day and I was in high school and I was like, "Who is this beautiful man? He looked like Jesus." And at that point in time, I was a little evangelical <laughs> child and everyone wanted their daughter to be with someone that looked like Jesus. And he came in and everyone had a crush on him. And and then we started singing together and doing music together. And that's sort of what brought us together. Um, Oh, but he sings too? 
Uh, and he plays guitar. It's really cool. Oh, so I would have been sold. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we dated for a little bit for a few years. And then I went to Texas to right. study musical theater. And we did the whole long distance thing. And we didn't know who we were. I didn't know what I believed. Um, I didn't know if I believed any of the things I'd been taught anymore. We were both going on our own journeys. And so we, we, we tried to get back together and then it didn't work. And so we had to break up. And so we, we did it several times. And then finally it was like, we have to go figure out who we are. And I love you forever, but that's what we have to do. That's emotional. Yeah. 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 It was, it was really, really hard. And so he was already living in the city. I graduated college, moved to the city. We were not speaking. We hadn't chatted in over a year. I booked once on this island and which is a whole wild transformative experience in itself. But um, he texted me randomly and said, Hey, you just got your Broadway debut. I've seen everything you've been in since high school. Can I come support you in this? You don't even have to talk to me afterwards if you don't want to, but like, I just had to text you. And at that point I was like, yeah, sure. Like, no worries. Like, why not? I had dated a couple people at that point in time. So I had felt very healed and like I'd found myself again. It was like very like there was no expectations. And so he came. And if you saw Once on this Island, it was in the round. And yes. so you can see the entire audience. And so I was like, guys, my ex-boyfriend's in the audience tonight. And I think I'm still in love with him. And um, so this show is going to be like really weird for me. So if I do weird things, uh, just be there for me. So he saw the show and we met at the stage door afterwards. And I was like, do you want to get a drink? So we went to Vagabond Wine Bar. Just, just across the street. <laughs> yeah, just across the street and just caught up about who we were and what we believed now and who we wanted to be in the world. And it was the first time in our lives where we were like, this actually could be possible and there's nothing really stopping it. And if we want this, this is a total possibility for us because the love was still there, but it had just been the wrong time for such a, such a long time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so we, we, we tried it again. It took some time. It was very gradual. We went to a lot of therapy. Um, we were raised so, so, so religious. And so we had practiced a very, uh, toxic patriarchal relationship for quite some time. And so we had to relearn what it meant to be us again in these new people that we were. Evangelical is really tough. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and we were, we were leaders in that. We weren't just followers. You know, I was, I was taught to believe every single word of the Bible and that it was all true. And that if you didn't believe that it was my job to convince you otherwise. And so I was trying to get people saved. I was on stage, like singing songs, like doing altar calls, praying over people. Yeah, I was doing the whole thing. And we were doing that together. We were literally partners in that. And a lot of people looked up to us. Sure. <laughs> so now I'm I'm living in New York and I'm I'm not a Christian and I'm on Broadway and I'm <laughs> You know, I'm I'm doing things that would be demonized previously and I'm happy. Mm. And it's this wild, like cognitive dissonance that you're living in. And I I'm able to love people in a way that I've never fully been able to love people before because I'm not seeing them for their potential. I'm just loving them for who they are. I don't believe anyone's gonna burn in hell anymore. What a weight that is lifted oh. off of you. So we we just had to relearn how to operate in the world again, as individuals, and then eventually as a couple. Wow. So beautiful. Thank you for being so yeah. open and sharing all of that with us. We got right into it. 
Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> we got right into it. We got right into it. Yeah, we were little conservative brainwash kids. Where, 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 where did you grow up? Like, where, where did all this happen? I grew up in Delaware. Yeah. He grew up in Jersey. Um, but you know, the states are so small, and we oh, met yeah. at a church in Pennsylvania. So yeah, but like, also very, despite all of the indoctrination and the religiosity, a lot of creativity and art. I was homeschooled by two artists. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a another side of it where I'm running around in the woods, like a little feral child learning about anything I want. Like we're collecting frog eggs from the pond and we're getting our meat and our milk from the Amish people in Lancaster and like learning how to sew books. My dad is a musician and can play any instrument. My mom can draw and paint anything and make it look like a photograph. So there was just so much creativity in the home at the same time. And my mom was really good at allowing us to follow our curiosity Okay, you want to learn about the silkworm today and how it poops silk? Great, let's do it. <laughs> you want to learn about Greek mythology? Let's go, kid. So it, it was it was so many things, so many yeah. things. And, and <laughs> but, do, you have, do you have siblings? I have a younger brother and a younger sister. They weren't as homeschooled as long as I was, um, but I, I kind of was the one that was a little more feral. <laughs> <laughs> I love this image of you like running through the woods and foraging. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just like barefoot climbing trees. There's still a part of me that thinks I'm going to run away and just live in a tree house for the rest of my life, but get things to do first. I'm oh so, gosh. I'm so curious. So evangelical church was such a huge part of your life and the way you mm-hmm. lived your life. What was yeah. that turn that happened that made you sort of start to think differently about it? I started going to a performing arts high school in ninth grade. And that was a huge step for my family to allow me to do that. And my community to allow me to do that. They were very afraid. There was a lot of comments like, Oh no, are you going to come back with blue hair? You're going to, you're going to be friends with gay people. You know, there was a lot of like trepidation around it. And there was a lot of warnings giving given to me as I stepped into that space. And It was so fascinating. And this is still a question I ask myself all the time is like, do I love theater because of theater or do I actually just love the people Mm. that I get to be around? And I have, I done everything it takes to continue to be around those people because I fell in love with people. And that to me is that's what opens your heart wide open is you meet human beings that are beautiful and worthy of love and it's different than what you're being taught at home. And you don't know what to do with that. Yeah. And so it was the theater space and and being around all types of human beings that just breaks you wide open. Cause you're like, I love you. I love you so much. And I'm supposed to believe that you're going to burn an eternal conscious suffering. Mm. That is not okay with me. And it takes a really long time because you're so deeply it, Everything you believe is so deeply in your veins, but it was a, it was a slow, slow chipping away brought about by, by the arts and, and beautiful, beautiful people in it. That's really, really powerful. I, I love how present and eloquently you're able to speak about that too. That's because it probably was really difficult. Um, We've done a lot of thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned some therapy and some, you know, that's, yeah, stuff, yeah. that's, that's honestly inspiring as well that you can, you know, break away from things that are sort of just laid out in front of you and yeah. you can have your own free thought. Yeah. This is kind of a, it feels like a natural segue into this question that we like to ask mm-hmm. all of our guests called the ring of keys moment. You mentioned yeah. the uh, circle in the square theater where once on the silent played before <laughs> that another musical called fun home played where there's this moment where a character has a 
a moment of reckoning and realization and sings mm-hmm. a song called Ring of Keys. And we sort of, you know, use that to talk about a moment where maybe you fell in love with arts or a passion. I don't know if that ties into that high school experience or yeah. it was a performance you saw or something, but do you feel like you had a Ring of Keys moment for yourself at, at that point in your life or um, earlier? I had always been in love with the arts of all kind. I don't remember a time where I wasn't in love with the arts. I grew up watching like Fiddler on the Roof and I actually, I want to sing If I Were a Rich Man so badly. Like that is my song. Tevia is my girl. Um, <laughs> something about like shaking your titties around a barn, like as mm-hmm. an old man just sounds so great. <laughs> so that has always inspired me. However, when I was, uh, I believe it was my junior year, you're like 17. It's that year where you're taking all the AP classes and every adult is looking at you like, this year defines the rest of your life. And you're like, no, it doesn't, but okay. And you're so stressed. And it was the first time I had played a lead in a musical before. I had never done that before. It was, it was Aida and Aida. Oh. oh. And it was me opposite Ben Walker, who is currently on Broadway and Anne Juliet, which hey. is a really cool experience for us to see. He was my first stage kiss. Oh. And we got to go on this journey together of playing this love story. And, you know, everyone's really worried. Like, you're playing a lead in the musical, and it's also your junior year. And, like, well, you're going to get good grades. And the year came and went. And my mom came to me in the middle of it. And she said, Anna, I've never seen you so happy in your entire life. And have you noticed that because of this show, every other aspect of your life has fallen into line? Your grades got better. Your relationships with people got better. Like she pointed out all of these positive changes in my life because of this thing that was happening, that was filling me. And she goes, I mean, I don't know how much this is going to pay the bills, but like, honey, look at, look at you right now. I was like, whoa. And I think she was like holding my report card at the time. She was like, this says something. Like, this really says something. Like, you can't expect unhappy people to get A's. Okay. That's ridiculous. Mm. (laughs) Or B's or C's, you know? (laughs) There's a correlation for sure. Yeah. There really, really is. And, um, I think I was just infused with so much life that it just spilled out everywhere else. So then we were like, okay. All right. We're, we'll, we'll, we'll audition for some schools. I guess we'll do that. We'll go down that route. Let's do that. Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> and Aida, that is legendary. Oh, I my mean, gosh. Are, yeah. there, are there clips? Is there a full video? I mean, you and Ben need to post something, right? Like a shared IG grid no. post where you're like, okay, we here's should. A- oh, gosh. Because then the following year, uh, my school did Les Mis, and we played Fontaine and Jean Valjean. So we, we got to play opposite each other quite a bit in high school, which was really, really special. Oh my Little God. high school in Delaware. I like, know, what? Like, I, yeah. I, I have to say, there, I've never heard of a more high school Jean Valjean than Ben Walker as <laughs> yeah. Jean, Jean yeah. Yeah. character, character the, moment. The Aida that we did, they double cast it. So there were two Aidas and the other woman playing Aida, Carrie Lynn Goins, she is also on Broadway and Book of Mormon right now. So something about this high school. Yeah. Who was Amneris? Right? Keep an eye out for that girl. But um, <laughs> that is Kayla so- Saunders. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. That's so wow, funny. wow. We so, talk I mean, about this every time Aida comes up on the pod, but it's crazy that there's not like a film version of Aida. Like that is some of my favorite Broadway music and one of the best Disney <laughs> scores we have. Like, the runway show? Oh Are you God. kidding me? Yeah. Beyond. 
like that should just all be drag queens. All yes. Of all of it. My strongest suit. Uh-huh. That's a drag show. Well, I remember the rumor and I've said, again, I've said this on the podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. so many times, but the rumor was that Beyonce was supposed to play Aida and Christina Aguilera was supposed to be Amneris in like this early in the works film version, mm-hmm. like 15 years ago, at least, if not oh before that. But could you imagine? I wow. mean, now they'd have like, LOL. Well, the version now is Cynthia Riva and Ariana Grande doing yeah. Wicked, I guess. But, right. Exactly. You know. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Well, I was supposed to come back. So, Anna, keep your keep your calendar open because okay. I think um, Easiest Life is going to be heard again soon. <laughs> okay. Yes, yeah, I love that yes, song. Okay. So, so you were applying to schools, and then what made you go to? Te- you said you went to Texas. Yeah, Texas State University. Nice. Mm-hmm. Was that a big difference huh. from Delaware? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I got to Texas, and everyone was like. What? Where's Delaware? Is that a city in Texas? And I was like, you guys, did you learn anything else besides Texas history? And they went, no. Didn't you learn Texas history? And I said, no, I'm not from here. Maybe the Alamo. Maybe that y'all wanted it to It was like, very secede. interesting. It was very... Acclimating into Texas pride was fascinating to observe. I was like, wow, this is a whole... Whoa, okay, what city cool. is uh, TSU near? It's uh, Austin. Thank goodness. Look yeah. at Dylan being yeah. like TSU, like as if he's like an alum here. Listen, listen. Well, Austin is the, it's a cool city in Texas. That's like the artsy. Oh, yeah, it's so cool. Oh, my gosh. So artsy, kayaking, like beautiful scenery. Yeah, it's lovely. I, their slogan is keep it weird. Keep or Austin weird. Keep Austin weird, yeah. Yeah, I love it. That's um, so fun. Yes, I went to Texas State and it was like literally my last audition. I think I auditioned for like 12 schools which is a crazy, crazy process and so Uh, weirdly competitive and like gives you the ick. Like it's like the part of creating that is just, you're like, why, why is this a part of this? Like I have to put myself out there and you're going into these tiny little hotel rooms and you're singing these songs over and over and over again. Just like, please like me. Really like unifieds or something like that. Yeah. You do unifieds, you do moonifieds, you do all these things. And it, it, you feel like this little peddler just selling your wares, going from door to door to door, hoping somebody will buy it. And you're just putting your heart out there every single time. And sometimes they don't even look at you. It's so strange. So I go into my Texas State audition. I didn't know anything about the school. I had no idea. I don't know where Texas State was. <laughs> it was just the people were genuinely so kind and so caring. And at the end of the day, that's what always wins me over with any project, with anything. It's like, I we'll find out how good the material is when I get there, but I want to work with you because mm-hmm. if, if we can't have a beautiful relationship together, then what's the point of making this? Yeah. So, um, yeah, Caitlin Hopkins and, and, and Cassia Bate and Michael Moresca and Jim Price and all of the faculty there were just so, so, so lovely. And one of their uh, slogans or mottos, or what's the right word? Mantras. That sounds better. <laughs> that they put forth is quote, fail forward, that there is such an expectation upon artists to present these perfect versions of ourselves in auditions. And that's just not what creation looks like. It looks like messing up over and over and over and over again. And in order to do that, in order to get comfortable doing that, because making mistakes is really vulnerable, you have to create a really safe classroom space. Mm -hmm. And so they really did their best to foster that in every way possible because singing is vulnerable, acting is vulnerable, and then making mistakes in front of your peers and getting notes on it is a really, really terrifying thing. And so I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to 
I'm going to fail forward. <laughs> so did you feel that that made really good relationships with your other peers then as well? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And it, and they were really good about treating us like equals and not like stupid little children who didn't know anything, <laughs> which was, which was really lovely and inviting us into the conversation. And they were also building a program that was very, very young. And so I had a lot of conversations with the head of the department, Caitlin Hopkins, where she would be like, Hey, you're the only black girl in your class. What does that feel like? How is that going for you? And at the time, I, I really didn't have good answers um, because I, I I didn't have a lot of black community growing up. The only black people I knew were my literal family members. I was in a very, very white community. So okay. I was always accustomed to being the one black girl in every single space I was ever in. But even the way they approached all of that, I was like, oh, OK, you see that this is weird <laughs> and you're like trying to make it better and you're going to me for guidance. I don't have, I'm not the one to ask, but thank you for asking. And then to see the changes in recruiting after I left has been really cool to see, to see the people of color come into the school and to make it brighter and bolder um, has been really, really lovely. And so I, they, knowing that they were willing to learn from us made all the difference. That's so special. That's almost, that feels unique in a way, Mm -hmm. because I I know a lot, I've heard a lot of stories about different MT programs or theater programs mm-hmm. in general that just sort of stick with what works or feel, you know, yeah. it's all yeah. very tradition based. And yeah, they were like, you're, you're the next generation and you have something to say and we have to learn from each other. It's the only way this works. Yeah. Have yeah. you been back at all to speak or perform or do a masterclass or anything? I haven't. I haven't. I, I really do want to. Um, it, it's this weird thing where I don't know any of those students there anymore, which is crazy. I'm that type of person that's like very much so like, I don't have anything to teach. I really don't have anything to say. I don't really know what I'm going to offer people, but I, I think I have learned a lot. Oh, totally. <laughs> and, um, I, and I also know how hard being in that education system is and how hard it is to try to figure out who you are as an artist while also trying to get an A that you're doing your art for. Like that's a really weird, incorrect system that they're just in. So yeah, yeah, maybe (laughs) I will. Maybe I will. I'm sure they used you as a recruitment tool. They're like... (laughs) You know, oh, she yeah. was a star of six. Oh, I, I mean, they're always dumping love on me all the time, Good. all the time. Um, but I haven't been back to Texas in a minute. You've been busy. You know, you, you've yeah. been starring in multiple Broadway shows. I, I I can't decide if I want to talk about six first or New York, New York first. Connor, what do, you, what do we do? What do we do? Well, I'm feeling like six cultural phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, I were you a fan of it before you got involved with it? Nope. Didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I got an email from my agent and they said, there's this British musical that they're bringing to the United States of America. It's about, I don't know. Here, read the thing. (laughs) (laughs) And it was Catherine Parr the only role you went out for? No, the audition process for that was very unique and different from anything I've ever done in my entire life. Okay. Basically, you went in and just sang a pop song. And that was the first round. Ironically, I sang, I will survive. LOL. (laughs) And that's funny. I was in a workshop at the time. And so my audition was on a lunch break across town. And so I was like in rehearsal for this workshop. It was a workshop of Scotland PA, which eventually went off off Broadway. But I remember that. Yeah. 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 Were you the Taylor Iman Jones role? 
No, I covered her. Okay, okay. Yes. So I was like, because now she's in your role. Yes, I know. Yeah. God, and one day we're going to play sisters. Uh-huh. I'm just putting it out into the universe. I love her so oh much. Oh, she's, she's amazing. Incredible. But that was my first time meeting her. But I ran over to the audition on my lunch break. I sang I Will Survive and then ran back to rehearsal. And then the next day they call us in and it's a dance call. And then when it comes time to actually do the material for the actual queens, I was called back for four out of the six queens. It wow. was Aragon, Boleyn, Howard, and Parr. What they did was everyone who was called back for said queen would all be in the room together and would listen to whomever was singing, no way, I don't need your love, you have it. And it was so strange. Wait, I'm trying to, my my brain's working in overtime trying to be like, why? <laughs> because, and this is Toby Marlowe and Lucy Moss just like actually trying to get to know the people that they are casting. Ah. I believe they were not watching the person singing at all. I believe they were watching everybody else. Wow. Are you able to sit there and support someone that you're literally in competition with? Are you able to do that? Are you able to hype them up? Are you able to be there? present in their performance and then stand up and do yours. It was definitely strange. There were also backing vocals that we would add. So like in the Boleyn call, you would do the, the oohoos and the, the extra talking. Uh-huh. It was very fascinating. And once you bought into it, you're like, all right, let's go. It's a party. <laughs> so every single callback was just this little gaggle of girls like following you and you would just go round Robin and each one would sing. Then they flew us to Chicago for final callbacks. It was at the very end of the night. I'm still in this workshop for Scotland PA and I have to be in rehearsals the next day at 9 a.m. I'm in Chicago. You're like, you're like, guys, I have to catch my flight. And I'm like, Anna, can you come back in real quick? We need you to sing Adonita Love one more time. And I'm so tired. But that's when the best work comes <laughs> out, right? When you just don't give a shit anymore mm-hmm. and you're like, here's, here it is. Here it is. And I just sang it one more time and they gave me a couple notes and then I sang it again. And then I ran to O'Hare and got on a plane. And then I got a call a few days later and I was, I didn't know, I still didn't know what it was. I, I kept my Glenn, who was my boyfriend at the time. He was like, wow, you just booked Spice Girls. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. So that's like, I just kept telling everyone. I was like, yeah, I booked Spice Girls. I just booked Spice Girls. <laughs> I booked Historical Spice Girls. Yeah. Basically. I didn't know what six was. That is so oh my fun. God. Now, when you were going in, you were called back for four of them. Did you have one that you really wanted to play? Honestly, it was kind of a tie between Howard and Parr. Okay, cool. Yeah. I loved Howard. Like, I thought it was so fun. But I was like, I don't know if I want to sing this eight times a week. But right now, I'm having a ball. Yeah. Sure. And the thing with Parr is that it was less fun, but it felt more like me. And so when I got it, I was like, that makes sense. Like that is genuinely what was coming out of my heart. I was just like having a blast with Par or with Howard that day. And, and we're going to have a blast with Par, obviously, but it is interesting how the things we get cast in often are things that are just, they are just closer to home. So sometimes they feel a little bit more boring, but they feel true. Uh (laughs) Well, so, so I know that each of them, we talked with Sam Pauly about this last summer, but each of the characters are based on, or Queenspiration is is behind each of the different mm-hmm. the, the different wives. Yes. Who is the one behind Catherine Parr? Alicia Keys. Oh, amazing, amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Okay. 
So that that's like mirrored not only in like physical appearance, like hair, but also in vocal styling as well. Okay. You know, we're going to be a little bit more jazzy with things. This is R&B now. We're not in total like Ariana Grande pop land anymore. Right. Yeah. Okay. That makes total sense. Oh Oh, man, I love it. Well, you absolutely slayed. Yeah. And I'm sure you've talked about this a million times before, but six, of course, was infamously supposed to open the night Broadway shutdown. And then you guys waited it out through the pandemic, came back. What was opening night after quarantine, vaccines, Broadway's back? What did that feel like to you? Whoa. Yeah. Um, It's interesting after doing opening night for New York, New York, it made me realize how charged the opening night of six was because opening night of New York, New York was spectacular and we all had a wonderful time, but when you almost opened and then didn't, and then went through a pandemic that night was, I, ooh, I, I was wiped out for days afterwards. The <laughs> amount of adrenaline coursing through my body. I think at one point I peed myself during the show, but I couldn't tell because there was so much sweat all over <laughs> me. Your adrenal gland is just like all night long. There's famous people in the house. Everyone's in tuxedos looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you look around at this these women that are with you and you're like, oh my gosh, we did it, babe. Like we did it. We got through all of previews for a second time, all of rehearsals for a second time, all of tech for a second time. And we did it. And I'm so glad it's with you. And it was just like a sense of um like closeness mm. with the with the group because you you've been through something that no one else understands. Mm-hmm. No one else. Even if you're part of the team, if you haven't been on that stage and done that show, that show looks so easy to do. For a lot of people who watch it, they say, It looks so easy. You're having so much fun. That is the hardest show I've ever performed in my entire life. Mm-hmm. It is so difficult what is being asked. And it's it's incredible the women that are able to pull that show out of their butt every day. So yeah, there's the, there's nothing like it. It was it was spectacular, and we were just so proud. And oh, it's so it's proud. recorded for infamy, right? It's that that's the album. Exactly, that's I so know. Special. All of the blood, sweat, and tears is on the album. That feels right. That it's, yeah, that does. Live. Yep, mm-hmm. you're literally like Little Mix, Spice Girls, these real girl groups that like <laughs> only the 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 girls in it know. Ooh, yep, yep, yeah. It's wild and. Yeah, I could say more, but I won't. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> now, I'm curious, what what made you decide it was time to move on from sex? I booked a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, the money, the money starts coming in here. Yeah, yeah. Also, I, I mean, I knew early on in the process that like, this is not something that I can do for the entirety of my contract. I had already done the show since 2019. And so... I just already felt like every single choice, every single thing has been exhausted. Like we have done par so many times. Because you toured it too, right? I toured it. Yeah. And it was Chicago. It was Boston. It was Edmonton. It was the Ordway. And then it was Broadway. And then it was not Broadway. And then it was Broadway again. So it was such, such a long journey. I can't quite describe the feeling, but there, there's something about it. Like, okay, you, you literally taught me all you've had to teach me. And I'm so grateful for it. And you've grown me up in so many ways. I was 23 when I booked this. And, you know, now three years later, we're a completely different human being. I really, really wanted to 
be a series regular on a TV show. That was a huge, huge dream of mine. And I had spent most of the pandemic auditioning literally every single day, probably like two to five auditions a week. Um, I was tutoring kids and then I was coming home and setting up my tripod and auditioning every single day. And it was exhausting. And I was taking film classes and I was doing everything I could to learn how to translate what I do onto TV film. Because at that point in time, theater didn't exist. And so we had to figure out other options. And so, yeah, finally, I <laughs> I get this call. It's like, you're going to be a series regular on an Apple TV show. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, okay, here we go. Like, let's let's do it. And I gathered all the girls in my room. No one knew at that point. I was like, you guys. And they're all squealing because they know this has been a dream of mine for so long. And they're like all crying. And they're like, what is it? What is it? What is it? It's a series regular. And they're all freaking out, you know. And so they they kept it a secret and it was our little secret for a while, which was really special. Um but yeah, it was it was so lovely to pass it on to Joy Woods. I was like, go kill it, babe. Like mm-hmm. live it up. And my body needed to heal. It is, it is, it's a hard show to do on the body. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it taught me how to be a leading lady on a Broadway show. And that is something I'm forever grateful for. And I got to do it with five other women alongside me well the cast was 10 but in terms of all of the press mm-hmm. and all of that it was the six of us going through that and now as i'm doing it with new york new york i think about all those experiences and i'm like oh my gosh that was so hard but thank you for teaching me that thank you mm-hmm. for teaching me that thank you for teaching me that i can do it by myself because i did it with company before and i learned wow ah, that's oh my so God. beautiful ah, you said that so yeah. well i'm kind of gagged now mm. did connie Britton teach you anything about being a leading lady oh my gosh <laughs> i'm obsessed with her i'm obsessed with her she's so cool <laughs> is she everything we want her to be yes she is that's like the best part she's just so kind and generous and i our plot lines did not intersect as much as I wish they had. Um, but when we did have scenes together, it was, it's always wonderful watching an actor just live completely freely in their element. Every single take she does is a buffet of delicious options. I feel bad for the editors because they have to choose a good one and they're all good. Being around her is a masterclass every single day. And I loved just eyes wide soaking everything in she did She's yeah Will, we had will chase on a couple of years ago and he worked with her on nashville and he said a lot yeah. of the because of her experiences on friday night lights mm-hmm. she would sort of i don't know if improv is the right word but sort of yeah it is yeah. It, it's like you're following the narrative of the script but you're also just living and breathing as a human being yeah. and, and interacting with someone which is why she's so believable on the screen yeah just because she's not gonna She's not going to abandon the truth to say exactly what the script says mm-hmm. because you need to believe people when you watch them. If you don't believe them, you don't care about them. You don't care about the story. Yes. And so that is what makes her so captivating is like, oh, you're a human being that I I could meet and see in real life. Oh, that's so cool. That's so special. Yeah. And we've been leading to this moment for this entire yes. <laughs> chat, but now you are the leading lady, the star of yeah. New York, New York on Broadway. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I heard you have like three 11 o'clock numbers throughout the entire show. And they're like, oh my God, each yeah. one Wait. bigger than the last. Yeah, it's like three. And then like the first one is like a, a so, eh, like a sorta. Okay, okay, fine. There's like, there's like four big numbers. And then three of them are like 
qualify to be 11 o'clock. So I think I told you this before we started recording, but I just watched the clip of you doing, but the world goes, is a couple of the world goes round, but the world goes round. Yes. On Colbert. And Oh my God, I, I said this already, but I need the listeners to know as well. That is how you do a late night performance. <laughs> that's like, okay, I'm going to buy a ticket to go see this show because it had me <laughs> gagging. And also you looked incredible too, but yeah. ugh, I can't wait to see you at the time of recording next weekend. But yes. <laughs> how does it feel to be number one on the call sheet? Hypothetically, like you yeah, are, yeah. yeah, you're that girl. You're Connie Britton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's so interesting. This whole process has been a lot of like, huge mountaintop experiences over and over and over, right? Like Colbert, you open the show and you're working with Lin-Manuel Miranda and Susan Stroman is directing this and it's you're chatting with John Kander and he's giving you new music and Lin's giving you new lyrics and all these wild things are happening to you in a very short, truncated period of time. And all I have to say <laughs> is that it's a quiet thing. Mm. I have been so calm and so present this entire process. I have never trusted myself more in my entire life. It's surprising me and freaking me out a little bit because I don't know when I'm going to start freaking out. But even our first preview, everyone's having such a good time. Everyone's cheersing, drinking their champagne, like freaking out. And my friend Gabby, who's in the cast, she comes up to me and she's like, how are you feeling? And I was like, I'm, I'm fine. Everything that happened is correct. Everything that happened is right. Everything feels good. My heart's not beating very fast. I feel so calm right now. Why? What's wrong with me? Mm. And she looks at me and she goes, it's because you're the eye of the storm. We need you to be that way. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> but I think what's actually happening is that I am getting to experience the culmination of so many things. Every single thing I have ever learned in my entire life is like coming to help me right now <laughs> from singing on stage in church, doing altar calls in front of thousands of people, playing the piano at home with my family. Every single thing I do on that stage is comes so naturally to me. And makes so much sense in terms of who I am and how I live in the world. And I'm also getting to play. I've never experienced so much creativity and freedom. And so I, I'm literally returning to the feral child running around in the woods at the same time. Everything just makes sense. Nothing feels forced or pushed or too hard or incorrect. And there's something about the stars aligning in that way that give you peace. I don't know how mm. else to put it. How I'm beautiful. obsessed. I'm gagged. <laughs> That's really, yeah. really, really incredible. Yeah. It's just, it's just all meant to be. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Thanks. What's your favorite moment in the show every night? The song light. Okay. And here's why. <laughs> and it's kind of layered, but we were in rehearsal and we were rehearsing light. And by we, I mean them, because I don't sing this song. It is the one time in the show where Francine does not sing. The entire cast is on stage and they're singing this big, gorgeous, stunning number. And my mouth is shut. And that never happens in the show. I'm singing <laughs> constantly and rehearsing it one day. 
and John Kander is listening and giving his notes. And he looks at everyone and he says, you guys, the reason why you're singing this song is because you're trying to convince Francine to stay in New York. Spoiler alert, Francine is trying to leave New York at some point in the show. (laughs) And she needs to be convinced otherwise. And the city steps in to convince her and they sing her this beautiful song. And so he says, I want you in this next pass of the song to all look at Anna. And if you've ever had 27 people all staring at you, singing Kander and Abscore in your face and looking at you with love in their eyes, overwhelming. Mm. And it completely wiped me out. I was in tears and crying off and on for the remainder of the day after that experience. And I couldn't figure out why, because I was like, they just sang this beautiful song, Anna, like, get over it, right? (laughs) And number one, it's the moment in the show where Francine gets to realize that she has a community there and she is held and she is not alone. Francine is alone in a lot of the show. She is shows up in the city by herself. She has no friends. She doesn't know anyone. And that's what I did. I showed up in the city by myself and I didn't really know a lot of people and I just had to figure it out. And a lot of my life has been marked with just showing up to things and not knowing anyone and just figuring it out by yourself and having to create community there. And finally, she gets to realize that she's not alone and that she's held. And as an ex-evangelical that left the church, I think my heart has been searching for a church ever since because that one didn't work because there were problems. But I still was searching for community and family. And to hear them sing that to me, I realized that all I needed was here. And I had finally found community and church in the city through the arts and through the theater. And so every time I hear that song, (laughs) I'm like, I found my church again. Thank you. Thank you for that. So I look forward to that moment every single night. I love it. I love it. I love it. And it fills me. And it helps me sing New York, New York at the end. Spoiler alert. I sing that song. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for telling that story. You have told so many good stories today, but (laughs) I'm just honored that they're immortalized on this podcast now. Oh my gosh. Thank you. For for people to hear them because, oh my goodness, that is so beautiful and touching. I can't imagine how overwhelming that must have been, but also (laughs) you found peace too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And and community, community is everything. We're not supposed to do this alone ever. Sometimes we have to be alone to separate from the group because the group isn't working, mm-hmm. but eventually we can find family and community again. Oh, wow. 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 And then uh, you're getting to fall in love. I think spoiler fall in love with Cole. Yeah. I know. Uh, <laughs> Is he so cute? Like to work with. Yes. He's so fun. He's a goofball. Yes. He's a goofball. I mean, cracks me up every single day. And there have been days where like, I'm, just not feeling it. Just like not having a good day. <laughs> and he will just make the stupidest joke. And I'm peeing myself laughing. Like that is his superpower is he can make everyone laugh. And I think that it genuinely raises your vibrations. Laughing is the greatest medicine. And so to have someone like that as your partner, your scene partner with you constantly, godsend, godsend, truly. Oh, um, oh, wow, that's I, amazing. I've said this before. I've said this before in other interviews, but like I, we genuinely just feel like kids out there, like on a playground, like I'm throwing random things at him and he's catching them and throwing them back. And maybe we jump in a mud puddle. Maybe we're doing the monkey bars. Like, I don't know. The world is our oyster. I feel 
like there is room to make any choice and he'll just take it and work with it and throw something back at me. He's also a feral child is what you're saying. (laughs) Exactly. And that's what musical theater should be. Being feral children together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. And we're both in like, we're both in like living out love stories, which makes it Mm -hmm. so easy. I think it would be different if like one of us was like, single and didn't want to be perhaps and the other one was like happily partnered up or whatever but yeah you know he recently got engaged i recently got married and so we're both in this state of like ah isn't love the best because love can suck sometimes i acknowledge Mm -hmm. that for sure but to live in the place of it, it it is really good some days and it is really lovely we get to bring that from our personal lives and and tell the story for our loved ones who aren't on the stage Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. That's so, that's so true. Yeah. He's been with Adrian forever. I know. And you've had this on and off with Glenn forever. So it really. (laughs) So we get it. We get it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's really beautiful. God, I could ask you about working with Stroman. I could, there's so many things, but we want to be cognizant of your time. We do need to wrap things up sadly, but we, we like to end it on a, on a high note with a little dose of drama. Connor, do you want to explain the titular segment? Yes. Well, drama is everything. It's the shows we're consuming on our various streaming platforms. It's the music in our ears. It's the performances we're seeing. It's musings in pop culture and in our lives. And I do want to kick it off with a dose of drama because I, random as hell, won the lottery to see the sign in Sydney Brewstein's window the other night. And I enter the lottery for like every show, every single day, TBH, and I never have won it ever, except for On Your Feet, famously in 2016. Yes. Anyway. (laughs) Yes, dates. Yes, Yes. come on. (laughs) I remember I was like, so broke living in the city and like trying to see things i could barely even afford like a lottery ticket and it was like a huge deal that i was like am i gonna do this am i gonna go see it and i did (laughs) but anyway oscar isaac was so amazing in the sign in sydney brewstein's window i was not expecting it to really be kind of his show they're certainly advertising it as a as the two of them him and rachel brashahan and she's amazing too but he's giving this phenomenal Shakespearean performance. He's this moody, complicated man. And I kept thinking, I can fix him. I can fix him the whole time. (laughs) And he's just so gorgeous to look at, but seriously beyond and being in a lottery seat, which was front row was, you know, you understand sometimes why people are so famous when you see them up close and you're like the energy they give off, the like sex appeal, the the intention. I mean, he really has it all. And it was a great play. You can tell bits of it are not finished in act two specifically. It kind of goes off the rails, but I loved, I loved it. I love art and I love Oscar Isaac. And I just think everyone should try to go see it. Did you see it, Anna? No, I'm just so in love with him. Oh my gosh, <laughs> he's so beautiful. Yeah. He's so beautiful he he really is and it's like 60s and he's wearing fashion that like a guy in brooklyn would wear right now so it's really i know him (laughs) and jessica chastain and oh oh scenes from marriage scenes Scenes from from marriage marriage. beyond i know Mm -hmm. i need to i need to watch that i'm surprised i haven't because she's in love she's like my queen so i need to always you know yes um my dose of drama is that summer is coming and I'm coming up on the one year anniversary of my second tattoo. Now that we're, you know, as we know that Anna's husband is a tattoo artist and I need to, I need to figure out what my next tattoo is. And I'm thinking I want it to be something 
theater related. And I'm trying to think of it. So if any listeners have any ideas, I've always wanted to get a spring awakening tattoo, but I don't want it to be lyrics. I want it to be like a, a, a an image that's like sort of a manifestation of some lyrics. So if any listeners, you know, can come up with something that's purple summer or some, something along those lines. Do you have any tattoos by the way? Yes. It's you a do. Roman numeral six on my rib cage. Oh, <laughs> oh I, I love, love that. it. So that's from, that's from six. You need to get a, uh, well, I, you didn't do it once on the silent ones then. So no. you need to get a, a New York, New York. Well, promo. I got it because it was during the pandemic and I thought six might be the last musical I ever do. Uh, oh, so. you want- <laughs> did, did Glenn do it? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Took 20 minutes. Yeah. Done. That's a tense. That's a tender area. Yeah, it was quick though. Super, super okay. quick. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if so anyone cool. has any ideas for tattoos, let me know. Right. Right. Um, Anna, do you have a dose of drama for today? My dose of drama is that I have not been consuming very much television recently, but the other day I decided to watch an old 90s classic that I had never watched before that the whole world has basically seen except for me. And I was like, let me just go watch it. It's called the matrix holy shit you guys (laughs) it's so good and i just need everyone to know that i take the red pill every time every time wow it it is amazing i think i watched it for the first time during quarantine and it's such a metaphor for the literal life we live and exist in on social media and you know what we're consumed how we act as consumers and everything. It's really good. Oh my gosh. Yes. And yes. it's vaguely, it could be a vaguely religious undertones yes, to the yes. story with Neo and all that stuff. Yeah. But it also gave me like, at the same time, I was like, well, yeah, I would take the red pill every time because that's what I've done in my life. But I also had respect and sympathy for anyone who ever wants to take the blue pill mm-hmm. because I'm like, isn't the point of life to be happy? And sometimes knowing can strip us of that. And so if we don't want to eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, then fine. Don't do it. Be happy, my friend. Live your beautiful Mm. blue pill life. And like, you'll have no regrets. Wow. It's, it's, I know things now from into the woods. It's, (laughs) isn't it nice to know a lot, but a little bit not. Right. Sondheim was right. Yes. Yes. It's that. So take whatever pill you choose. I get it, babe. Yes. And you got to watch the rest of them. There's some other, there's some good sequels. There's some not so good sequels. There's a recent one with Jonathan Groff. And Neil Patrick Harris. I think. Okay, I have a lot of '90s to catch up on. Great. Yeah, <laughs> that one actually was like in the last two years. They like did oh, that thing shit. where they reboot it twenty years later or whatever. Great. It's crazy. But oh my gosh! All right, you're busy. I've so when you have do. time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anna, this was so fun. You are amazing. The way you can tell a story is beyond. I feel like you really need to do a solo show or something where you're like weaving stories of your life into song in a true cabaret sense because you've got it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I I come from a long line of oral storytellers that didn't know how to read and write. So it's in my blood. Yeah, obviously. And so you're just on Instagram, right? Yes. Yes. Just on, I don't, I don't have a Twitter. Well, maybe I do, but I've never gone on it. <laughs> so everyone can follow you on Instagram and we'll leave the link in the notes right. below. While everyone's following you, they should follow us. We're at the drama podcast. Connor's at Connor McDowell. I am at Dylan McDowell. Everyone needs to see Anna in New York, New York, playing now at the St. James Theater, baby. And we will see you soon. And I thank you for doing this podcast with us. Thank you. You are spectacular. Thank you for listening to my stories. Oh my gosh, of oh, course. Thank you. And Connor. I will see you next time. 
Drama. Drama.